human beings are just looking to fit in somewhere. And yeah. so oftentimes, particularly projectors, but all types really, you just take on the costume of the world that you're trying to fit into for whatever reason. Like, and you choose, you tend to choose what you think's cool or what's against what your parents wanted you to do and all those kinds of things. You just go in and you just play the role, you play the game. And you, like you doing the stupidest thing possible, you probably just wanted acceptance from the crew that were around you just yeah. to belong. And then when you're like, well, I, I don't want to do that anymore that regression in regression or like returning to your normal state it does often take cutting bonds cutting ties because otherwise you'd still be in that kind of network where you have to show up in one way because they're expecting it from you welcome to the 1000 day sober podcast my name is lee davy i'm not an alcoholic i refuse to be anonymous i am someone that doesn't drink alcohol i am an amazing father husband friend leader lover and master coach and i spend every minute of the day helping people live kick-ass lives hope you're doing well everybody hope you're doing well um i'm just gonna get straight to it I'm going to be speaking to Victoria Fenton today. We're going to be covering topics such as human design. We're going to be covering gene keys and just generally having a chinwag about um, all things that are sometimes beyond the reach of those of us who have very rational, analytical and logical minds, right? So I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, Victoria has been in the world of personal development and healthcare for around 20 years, and you definitely pick up on her experience in our conversation. Um, during the course of her own transformative healing journey, which lasted over a decade, Victoria studied under various spiritual, somatic, and trauma-aware teachers. She was one of the original students trained by Ra Uruhu in human design, and then Richard Rudd in Jinkies. She's also qualified in mindset reframing techniques such as NLP and CBT. As her recovery progressed, she studied physical disciplines, becoming a certified nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner. Ultimately, with this diverse skill set, she went on to run her own successful medical and healthcare practice uh, from the world-renowned Harley Street Medical Center in London, UK for almost seven years. She's worked with over 1,000 patients globally and acted as a consultant to several leading healthcare companies using a unique trauma-informed approach, which focuses on regulating the nervous system as a foundation for healing and self-actualization. Because of this nervous system focus, Victoria also established a coaching stroke inner work branch in her business, supporting individuals, executives, and company teams to evolve, transform, and up-level in every area. Coaching is ultimately where Victoria's passion lies. She now has transitioned away from medicine and offers intensive one-to-one -one coaching packages aimed at supporting anyone who's ready to embark upon personal evolution and ultimately becoming um, an amazing person. In particular, one-to-one -one work is suited to executives and leaders looking to unlock their unlock their limitless potential. Victoria is also building a suite of courses which provide the roadmaps for inner work and transformational healing for anyone seeking support to undertake these life-changing inner journeys. So without further ado, I will shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Victoria Fenton. Victoria Fenton, you majestic human being. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Hello. How are you? What a, what a bed that is. Two. I really need two beds in my hotel room. This is like Mexico, Mexico chic. Two queen beds. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how long have you been in Mexico now then? I've been here a week and a day and I've got another week to go. And this time next week, I will be literally landing in LAX. Yes, we will be able to have a, a hug and a kiss and have some fun. I'm really looking forward to it. In person time. Yay. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sitting down, Victoria. I normally stand up for my podcast, but I'm knackered. I was going to say, I've exhausted you already. <laughs> <laughs> I give up after two minutes. I'm knackered. And I just, <clears throat> I just had a client. And, um, you know me, I like to get into it. So I was like screaming at the top of my voice to, um, to prove a point around anger release. And now I, and now I can't fucking speak. <laughs> we have so all done that before. Unfortunately, as coaches, when we're demonstrating, we go there wholeheartedly. <laughs> realize oh, the reason. Yeah. yeah. I, it's almost like, um, I'm now, I now know I need to warm up my larynx before I scream. <laughs> Does it, in a, yeah, like, in I'm a way. So I know this and you're just right. like, yeah. You're a sick, well, 
I'm just, it's just, it makes me feel like my anger is so inauthentic now. I have to like prepare for my anger <laughs> release. <laughs> this whole lead up process, like just irritate yeah. me enough. And then, yeah, oh well. They're effective though, anger releases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just demonstrating one and I felt really good. <laughs> I didn't even have any anger in me. So, fuck it. Um, I was just looking at your website, Victoria. Yes. You know, as people know on this podcast, I am, you know, a very, very thorough podcast host. You know, I'm literally looking at your website two minutes before you come on, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, you, you are super experienced. I know, I know we're talking about human design. Let me take these headphones off a minute because my batteries are going to run out. Give me a sec. All right. So I know we're going to talk about human design, but um, you know everything. You're like you're like the, uh, you're like the female Gandalf of like health and nutrition. Like, how where did all this start for you? I got really sick. So everything I know started by actually having to solve my own problems. As with so many people in any kind of healthcare wellness industry, you just you have to provide your own solutions so often. So when I was 17, I got incredibly unwell. Um, I was just on holiday, had too much to drink, all that kind of stuff, and was violently sick one night. Um, and I was never able to eat again properly without bringing food back up. And so initially that was diagnosed as eating disorders. So I went all the way into mental health and psychology and inner work and spiritual stuff and human design. That's where I came into contact with human design and gene mm. keys. That kind of did loads for my inner world, but I still wasn't fixed physically. So that's when I went into the medical direction. I actually finally got my official diagnoses and the few labels that I needed to put the physical pieces together. And very simply, basically, I have a complicated genetic connective tissue disorder. So that's quite mm. rare. Mm. And it meant that I had ruptured my esophagus that night. Yeah. So then that leads you down functional medicine and nutrition. So how does the function of all of the body works? And you get, I got, I think people get lost in nutrition specifics or like gastrointestinal specifics and all that world. And I did for a long time was trying everything. Hence, I know lots and lots of things because I tried it all. Like I was my own guinea pig. I had to. And in the end, I think I really resonated so deeply with the nervous system connection to everything within the human body physically. And that takes you straight back to inner work, spirituality, nervous system, resilience, all of that kind of stuff. And it kind of brought it all full circle so that somehow over the period of 18 years, I've kind of got this compendium of information in my being, which I know in like intimately, I've personally been involved in so much of it for my own healing. And then just it oozes out of me to give to other people. So you're one of those people, very rare people who would uh, register for 23andMe and it actually would tell you something quite useful. Right. Well, and also, and I'm trained in genetics. So yes, I have huge genetic training because I needed to find it all. And the collagen production, which is where connective tissue disorders come from, is quite complicated to nail. But actually, when you do all of my little, I've got a million and one genetic profiles, obviously. Uh Um, And they all show, yes, she's got connective tissue problems. So I did 23andMe recently. So I joined uh, Forward, which is an American healthcare thing. And I I did my 23andMe. (laughs) I had a, like, they give you like this free consultation where a doctor comes on, you know, and it's right. It's quite funny because he's like, yeah. You're going to go blind, but hey, we <laughs> caught it early. So instead of going blind when you're uh, 60, you're like going to go blind when you're 80. Isn't that great news? I'm like, nah, not really, mate. Like, I'd rather like not go blind at all. Right, <laughs> or know? not know. Like, and that's the thing with genetics. It's the, and the whole thing with genetics is it's predisposition. So my science brain has had to become so enormous because you're just basically battling Dr. Google all the time. So whenever as a functional medicine practitioner, I'd get clients like this, this is truth because I've read it on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's um, genetics can tell us not very much about who we are. And at the end oh. of the day, you do those complicated analyses and you just get eat well, sleep, you know, look after your body, look after your mental health and you'll offset so many of those diseases. Yeah, so simple yet so difficult, right? Like I still <laughs> the, the other I've been trying to get eight hours sleep. Sounds simple, right? Like so I've been far. I've been taping my mouth up. I've been doing everything to try and get eight hours sleep. And the only and I have an aura ring, right? 
The only time I think I got eight hours, my aura ring ran out of batteries. Oh, I was so that? I was so annoyed because I wanted to take a screenshot of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like every time I look, it's like five hours, 46 hours. Like um, I figured two nights ago, I woke up eight times in the night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now partly that's L.A. because it's so in hot air and oh, partly because yeah. i got i'm like one of those people like um that if my if my daughter moves like i wake up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. somebody and could it, be strangling her and, <laughs> and liza wouldn't wake up like she could be screaming and liza wouldn't wake up uh, luckily i'm here as a yang to <laughs> the safety blanket dangerous ying uh, but I know the guys from Aura. So I used to work like very closely with all the biohackers. So I know wow. the guys from Aura and Whoop and all that kind of stuff. And they're quite accurate, but they don't exactly help when you've got toddler sleeping next to you. It's just like they can't, they can't make you sleep better. They can only like give you, I mean, the key in those is not actually the hours of sleep. It's the heart rate variability that you want to be really focused on. Yeah, I noticed my heart rate variability um, changes. I've got a little bit of a habit, actually. I was talking to Liza because, you know, Liza's doing her functional medicine training at the moment. And I was talking to her about this. I've, I've got myself into a little habit where I take Zia to bed at night and then I go downstairs and I need to have like um, almond yogurt with some nuts and some berries and stuff. But I was <laughs> having maple syrup in it. And I noticed that my heart rate variability was just shocking. Yeah. It's interesting. What, and the thing I, that I love about wearables is it does give you that real personalization of your own health map. So you really can tell what knocks off your heart rate variability and what doesn't. The thing that I'm always really cautious about is that they don't become obsessive and addictive in their own right. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I have to compete with my own scores. No, um, aura doesn't do that to me, but oh, what was the other one? Um, shit. There is an app that counts like how much protein you have, how much vitamin D. Chronometer. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> I got insane about chronometer. And I was, because I'm vegan, right? I was, well, actually, I'm not vegan. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I eat a veganish lifestyle. So protein is really important to me. Yeah. And I was like saying to like, look at this, man. I need to eat more. So I was like eating jars of peanut butter. And, all this. <laughs> and she said, give it here. And I'd set my protein intake wrong. <laughs> I was like almost killing myself with too much oh yeah, massive constipation and all that. Yeah, I was like, this must be there must be something wrong with. But for a while, like I was like, yeah, I can't go to bed until I've eaten, I don't know, fucking right. grapefruit because my figures were off. Like I yeah. was was getting obsessive. Yeah. I, I must be the only person in like human history who sets my move target on my Apple Watch so low that I achieve it like just like pootling around during the morning. Like and just because I know if I if I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get there. I'll literally yeah. just do star jumps at the nighttime before going to bed just to get my targets up. It's like, no. I like that though. You're setting your expectations low so you can always smash it and have a win. Totally. Like I, I triple my, I 3X my move goal regularly. Yeah, boom. I like that. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you about my vegan story. Hey, if you listen to his podcast, by the way, we will get on to human design. In <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so this is really funny. I went to Santa Monica the other day to mm -hmm. meet some friends of mine that had flown in from Asia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were having dinner and a guy came around to um, ask what we wanted. And I ordered uh, edamame. I ordered a vegan like burger thing. And then I ordered the edamame um, uh, dumplings. And yeah. <laughs> this kid said to me, and he, he was really young, right? He said to me... Um, Oh, uh, they're not vegan though. And I said, uh, what's in them then? He said, uh, there's a little bit of egg in them. And I said, oh, little, oh okay, I'll have them. And he said, well, are you vegan? And I, and, I said, <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he said, oh, well, you're not though, are you? <laughs> and I went, what? He went, well, you're not vegan, are you? I'm vegan. You're, you're just about to have like dumplings with egg in. And I was like, I'm shamed. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, I'm, I'm Viga. I'm Viga then. Let's just drop the N. He said, what's N got to do with eggs? I'm like, okay, okay. Would it help you if I just declared right now that I'm not vegan? Because I'm going to have some eggs. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess. Um, and he was like, <laughs> yeah, he was like, I'm only messing about. And everyone was laughing. 
Uh, and I was like, wow, that guy has just triggered the 10 year old in me that used to put my head in people's faces when he used to call me a chink. Like I really got triggered in that moment. Yeah. And they were like, oh, he's really nice. I was like, no, he's not. He's a prick. He was like, really <laughs> good, like, like humiliate me in front of you and he did a good job, you know? And I, I was like really kind of going into it, you know? So yeah, I guess I'm not vegan in, in the eyes of a vegan. Um, <laughs> in the eyes of the movement, you're not religious enough to be like. Yeah. So I've just lost like a hundred thousand listeners who tuned in because I went vegan. Because you were a vegan. <laughs> I eat I eat egg yolks, and if I yeah I went to a Persian restaurant the other day and I said, "Can I have that beef thing?" But I don't want beef in it. I want eggplant in it. But I didn't say remove the beef stock. Like so, I don't I don't worry about shit like that. But I don't eat a sirloin steak or a salmon or um piece of cheese or something. Yeah. Anyway, who needs titles, right? Right, and I, I like I, obviously somebody who used to recommend supplements a lot. You used to fight to find like the vegan supplements, but it's kind of the law of diminishing returns because often supplements and things like bone broth are made out of the bits that people waste anyway. So if the whole world's eating chickens, you might as well have chicken bone broth because you've at least used the carcass. It's like the whole ethos seems to need to be either purist or just a bit practical on it. So I've always yeah. been the latter. My, my, my practicality was Zia doesn't like egg yolks. She likes the egg white. I'm going to throw this egg yolk in the bin. I might as well eat it because it's got protein in it. And I bought the freaking thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I can, I can, I've got no problem actually getting a chicken, raising it in the garden mm-hmm. and having its eggs. I've mm-hmm. just got a problem with cafos that, that, that breed deformed right. chickens. Right. So, Anyway, I don't know why we went on that, but I think I think my point my point of that is like don't get too hung up on on like on labels and being a certain way, and remember that everything is like hugely individualistic. So for one vegan, I'm using just vegans as an example to say, yeah, vegan vegan lifestyle is fine for me. I manage okay. For other people, it's just not like that. And, yeah. you, and you and you really somebody's wearables and uh, functional medicine tests and blood like people say like oh you did your blood test what what did it show for you that I can learn from well nothing because my blood is different than yours right right and it's really interesting because people want everyone else to do the hard work and want the easy route for themselves it's like you you go investigate and then I'll just learn from you and yeah. that's unfortunately particularly in personalized medicine healthcare all of that kind of stuff or, or coaching. And particularly human design that we'll talk about today, which is super personalization. I think the human brain likes simplicity. So it likes to be reductionist and like really reduce things to labels and like easy things to remember and titles, but it doesn't serve you when you're thinking about kind of who you are as a, as a person. Yeah. If you put a lot, a lot you did explain me to, did describe me to a T then. <laughs> I, am a, I am a little bit lazy when it's like, um, Oh, you yeah, you go and learn that, and then let me know the the, the cliff notes. So version, yeah. yeah, I'm a little bit like that. Actually, like yeah, like uh, we're in a coaching container together, right? And uh, Alexi Alexi Panos, one of our master coaches, she has like this great process where she'll read a book, and then she probably spends longer than she spent reading it to create her notes. And then she gives us the notes and then I don't have to read the book. I fucking right. love that. I read those notes like we got this week and I was like, okay, that's me not reading that book. Then. Yeah, yeah, I don't need the book. Like, I mean, do you ever hear a Blinkist? Yeah. All right, so those of you listening, Blinkist is like someone's read a book and then gives you the cliff notes, but Alexi Panas is much, much deeper than Blinkist. Alexi, if you're listening to this, just start a different company up. Of just <laughs> start notes. Alexi Notes. It's a, <laughs> Alexi Notes. It's like a seven-figure business. Right. Uh, oh, human design. Yes. What is human design? (gasps) Such a hard question. Human design at its simplest is a self-awareness tool. That's it. It Mm -hmm. takes some information that's quite complicated to explain and gets a little bit into the weeds of astrology and times and dates of birth and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, it's trying to understand the energies that were present at the time that you were born. So understanding the energies that you were almost imbued with Mm -hmm. and therefore where you have strengths in life and where you've got really consistent energy, where you're always solid. It's very you energy and you it's familiar. You know it. And then all of the areas in your world where you are open to be influenced by the world around you. Mm. And when you know that as a framework. It just allows you to lean into the strengths, understand the openness and really move more seamlessly and with less resistance through life. How do you think that human design um, would help somebody who is struggling with alcohol, for example? So as we both know, the whole 
the issue that is an alcohol struggle is not about the alcohol particularly it's about the underlying issues so mm. we're both coaches and within my coaching human design is one part of the tools that I use because it helps me to provide my clients with an infrastructure of self-awareness and self-understanding and that foundation is really it's so important for self-worth and for actually putting into place some of these pillars of self-respect and the, that awareness of who I am, but also all the areas in your life where you can be led astray, where you think you need to compete with others, where you feel less than, where you feel distracted or I'm no good at that, or that person's great at that. And all of these things in our psyche over time just wears down our own inner world. And at that point, you can reach for any addiction. You can, you're trying to numb something. You're trying to escape from something. So for me, using human design as a tool is like, you don't, you don't need to escape. You don't need to feel guilty for not having this strength or not feeling this element of who you are because it was never there. Mm. And all of those influences that you've had around you over your life that pulled you one way or the other, this is where we can see them for you. And therefore, it gives us a roadmap to unpack and peel back the layers on all the stresses that we accumulate and hold in our nervous systems over time. Mm. And uh, it's, it defines you as one of four different categories. Could you explain those for people? Yeah. So here's where we get a bit terminology and labeling, and I don't love it for this, but it's just simpler. And actually the four types they're called in human design. The way I like to really explain them is the typing is just, it just tells you how your aura works in the world around you. We are electromagnetic beings. We have a charge and a frequency. And each of the four types has a slightly different way of working within frequencies of the world. So the four types are manifester, generator, projector, and reflector. A manifester aura is quite penetrating. It's quite like, it's quite rejecting. It pushes people away. It really does create a lot of aggravation in the world, can do, because manifestors can just do things. And that's quite abrupt for anybody who's not a manifester. You and I are not manifestors. And so manifestors in our world, they just do things. And you're like, well, how did, how did that happen? And so the thing about a type is that's your energy. That's who you are. Do not apologize for it. The thing that we give you in human design is a strategy to make that a bit easier. So the manifestor strategy is to inform before they do something. So I'm going to go over here and do this and they do it. And suddenly it's not a shock to somebody who's quite a much more sensitive being. That's kind of how type and strategy fit together. The generator type and all of the other types are much less kind of rejecting and aggressive. So generators are responsive. We have a very receptive aura. We very much, we, I am a generator. You're not, I'll come on to you in a second, but I'm a generator. I've got a very welcoming aura. We are doers. We have a lot of energy to do. We are workers. We're builders. Um, and within that, the strategy becomes, we'll just wait to respond. And the reason for that is because our energy will keep building and keep building and keep working. We're powerhouses of energy. But if we're in the wrong thing, because we've kind of manifested our way there, suddenly we're using our energy and think something that doesn't light us up, doesn't make mm -hmm. us feel good. So it's about waiting when you go and it's a physical thing for generators. Somebody says, do you want to come here? And you're like, yes. And it's a whole body thing that moves you in that direction. And suddenly you'll find as a generator that your energy is limitless when you take those opportunities. With a generator then, could you end up in a, in what you were saying, like you end up in a relationship that you don't want to be in a relationship. And if you're not careful, you could be plowing all your energy into that never ending relationship. Yeah, it's about, and, and that's another thing where knowing your design becomes really handy because there's way more than just the types. You get into centers and much more deep analysis. But oftentimes we can end up not responding as a generator, for example, not responding to a relationship, but kind of getting into a relationship because we think it makes us have more self-worth or we feel like we have to hang on to something because we need something, some connection. And those become what we call not self-strategies. But as generators, we'll stay there forever, putting more and more into it because we think, well, if we just work harder, is the generator ethos. Yeah. If I just work harder, it will work. And we forget to go back to, hang on, did I really respond to being here or am I here because out of, out of some hope that this will mean that I am something better than I think I am? Mm, okay. I like that. And what were the other two? The projector. So projector is you. And I, you mm. said that I could talk a bit about you. So projectors yeah. have a very, very interesting aura. They are super penetrating. They can see into other people really deeply, have great insights for other people. But that can be quite hard for other people to take if projectors like yourself just go around spewing what they see to the people without being and this is the projector strategy invited so they have to wait for the invitation <laughs> so 
when I say to you, Lee, I really need your opinion on X, Y, Z. And you can give me it because I've said, please give me your opinion. But if unsolicited, you randomly just sent me a message one day saying, Victoria, I really think you need to do X. I my, my whole energy system would recoil mm. because you're so on it. And it's not untrue, but it's you need to be valued as a projector. You need to be appreciated and you need to be absolutely venerated for your gifts. And the only way that's guaranteed is if people go, you have that gift, please give it to me. And that's the invitation. Mm. And then you can actually share. And it's difficult with projectors because it's like, well, do I have to wait for the invitation for everything? Like, what am I going to have for dinner? Do I need to wait for the invitation? Mm. And I always break this down really simply. If you're talking about going out for dinner, yeah, wait for someone else to invite you out for dinner. But if you're talking about like going to the fridge and finding your dinner, like the invitation is the food in the fridge and you can just respond to it as you would normally. So you don't need to overcomplicate invitations. It doesn't need to be formal and written on like a stamped piece of like parchment. It's not like that. Okay. So we'll go, we'll come back to project and generate a little bit because we can share our personal experiences. So what's the fourth one? The fourth one is reflectors. Reflectors are super rare. So I'm not going to go into like super definitions because you need pictures and graphics, but essentially all of the centers are what define the types. So there's nine different centers and how they're hooked up and which ones you've got colored in define the types. Reflectors have none of the centers colored in. So they, they aren't a specific type. They have what we call a Teflon aura. So they are very much like nonstick. Things don't affect them. They're very When you meet a reflector and you're tuned into this, you kind of know because they just seem very zen, very kind of in the world, but not of the world. They feel very kind of able to move through. Their strategy is much more complicated. They have to wait for the entire cycle of the moon, basically because the moon moves really quickly, goes around the whole celestial wheel in 28 days, um, and they can then hook everything up. So everything within human design is determined by where the planets were at the time you were born, three months before, and then today, because the planets are still moving. So it's very much taking a kind of a astro- astrological bent, but then like, doubly complicating it and making it very in-depth and specific. Mm, so a reflector is like one of those very rare unicorns or something that you get in like these Pokemon games. <laughs> it sounds like to me like a reflector is like, do you know, like, um, I think it's uh, the Keys to the Kingdom. Yeah. So she talks about elders. Yes. Yeah. And what we know about reflectors is that they are very connected to the astral planes. They're very connected to as above and below. So they're very tuned into the energetic dynamics of archetypal energies within the planet, but also the heavens. They're just very tuned into kind of the ethers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So projectors, let's talk about projectors a little bit, and then we'll talk about generators a little bit. And I want to then ask you about energy in general. And the whole conversation around that. So you said about projectors can see into people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was here. This is so funny. So I always believed that I had a, like, I, I, I had a sense that I, the people, <laughs> the people are full of shit. So whenever someone's in front of me and they're talking to me, I can, like the, take the guy we talked about with a vegan. Yeah. Okay. So here's a good example, right? So this kid's like, yeah, I'm just having a bit of fun with him. I can see through that and be like, no, actually, you're a little fucking bit pissed off that I am not a vegan, but I'm saying I'm a vegan and you're you're making a joke about it to make a point of it, right? I've always been led to believe because of my own misuse of my energy that that is ego, that um, is mind reading, that it is, um, you, Lee, you don't know what I'm, going through, you're wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's because I was almost like wielding this mighty sword in the wrong way and cutting everybody. And then lately I've taken a different stance and been like, oh, wow, Lee, actually without alcohol in your system. Mm -hmm. And when you just slow the fuck down a little bit, you were really, really are sensitive to other people's emotions, but it is quite rudely (laughs) to tell people that you know what they're thinking about. So don't do it. Um, think about a different way to harness that power. Yeah. And the thing about projectors, and you've just nailed it you, with the words misuse of your energy. And I think it's a, it's such a gift, but no, no projectors taught how to use their insights. They're just not like, it's not what parents know. So 
when you sit and just hold that knowledge of the inside, you'd be surprised if you sit in that kind of samurai warrior quietness, people will come and say, what do you think, Lee? Because you're just holding it with such an embodied power. You don't actually need to use it as a weapon, mm. but it's a it's bridging that gap between, okay, so I don't need to use it as a weapon, but I don't just do nothing with it. I don't need to find another way to use it. If I just, and this is the bit that's really hard for projectors to trust because when they stop showing up, how they've always shown up, they don't automatically the next day get a ton of invitations because people are like, well, what's happened to Lee? Why is he not showing up anymore? But if you just sit in that power and that kind of center and you just hold, oh, yeah, I can see this. I see the map. Mm. People will start to come to you and invite you out and say, come here, well, like share what you see. Like we're interested. And and think about this for those of you listening. <clears throat> we're just talking about one of the four archetypes here. In that example that I've given you of me going around thinking, like if I say to Liza, for example, oh, you're really pissed off with me because of this. And she's like, no, it's got nothing to do with that. Right now, if I'm like dramming on the point, no, you're full of shit. Just be fucking honest and just about what you're thinking. Right. If I'm doing that, think about how much mistrust that is creating in a relationship, how insecure she feels in that relationship. She cannot trust me. She thinks I'm mind reading her, which is like a real massive sign of respect, uh, disrespect. Let's say that I'm actually true and accurate. How much shame that might feel like that she's been found out. Why would you not? then turn to drink if drink is your compensatory strategy for dealing with uncomfortableness and conflict. Right. And I think the whole thing about many of the types, but anything that's not a manifesto is a really receiving energy. And you don't have to be a projector to be sensitive. Projectors are way more sensitive and they they tend to like put their foot in it a bit more. Mm. But that whole ability to feel what other people feel and then you say it and then it gets awkward and the social anxiety then comes in and then you feel shame and guilt and regret and it triggers something from your childhood where your parents did a similar thing and suddenly you just want to escape the situation that you've ended up in through just seeing something and saying it. And actually that's all you've done. You've seen something and you've said it and pointed it out, but you haven't taken the breath beforehand and thought, well, I could do something different here. And the key for projectors as well, particularly when they're dealing with generators, which is most of the time because 50% of humanity are generators. Ah, right. Yeah, it's percentage thing. So about 30% projectors, I think, last time I checked. But yeah, so um, particularly with the whole projector thing, ask questions. It is the projector's superpower because generators need to respond. So what are they going to respond to? Ask a question. So instead of saying, Liza, you're mad at me because back to YZ, why are you mad at me? <laughs> uh, well, here's a question for you then. So, I mean, that just, this might just be specific to me and not the archetype. Mm-hmm. The th- the, actually, the um, the ways that you're describing that could Im- that can help the projector make a bigger influence in the world are for me the most difficult and challenging things for me. I know. Is, I know. Is, that, is that just for me or is that just projectors in general? So what you have is quite an open design. And the thing with children who grow up, particularly in, you know, harder environments, and I know a little bit about your history, but they, I don't know how much you shared on the podcast, but there's... Fucking there's just, everything. Right. Okay. So like life in England where you grew up and all that kind of, it's just, it's hard. Like projectors are soft, sensitive, wee little souls. Mm. And suddenly you're in this tough environment called life. Yeah. And... The whole essence of human design in in a nutshell is that you go towards your openness because it's what you feel most because you're picking up on the energy of the world around you and you magnify it and you think, oh my God, I need to be all of these things. And you walk into your openness. So you start showing up in a very quote unquote, not self way. So you're actually walking into your anti-strategy. So it's really common that when you, particularly projectors, when you say, wait, 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 Wait a bit more, calm the fuck down, slow down. It's absolutely the opposite of where they've started. I actually have one really good friend who's a projector and he used to do the gregarious party thing because the insecurity that a projector can feel because they don't feel part of the world. They they don't feel part of the social network and all that kind of stuff. So they have to have something which de-inhibits them, which gets them out into being social and pushes all of this energy out. And it's just so against their essence because particularly for men, soft, vulnerable, sensitive, wise is not necessarily thought of as the things you should be as a man growing up, particularly in the UK. It's like, Mm. no. 
We interrupt this amazing conversation between Victoria Fenton and Lee Davy to ask you if you are interested in working with either Victoria or Lee Davy in a one-to-one -one capacity, then email 1kdaysober at gmail.com to set up a call and start changing your life. Now, without further ado, I'll put you back in the hands of Victoria Fenton. That's so funny because, I was, yeah, I was, like when I was drinking, which is like 35 years, right? So when I was drinking, I honestly, like, I honestly believe that, um, I mean, I, I didn't think about human design archetypes or anything like that. Back then, it was just you're either an introvert or an extrovert, right? Um, and I believed I was an extrovert. I believed, I took great pride in being an extrovert. I thought introversion was like, I do not want to fucking be an introvert, right? Like, it's like the fucking devil's curse. I don't want to be one of those people. And then when I stopped drinking alcohol... <clears throat> I realized, so and part of that extroversion is going out all the time, fucking taking more drugs and uh, doing riskier things than anybody else would, like being the first guy to do the stupid fucking thing. And then when I stopped drinking, I had a real anti kind of, um, I don't want to go out. I don't want to be with these people, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was the alcohol. I literally thought it was like, it's because they're all drinking. But I don't think that now. I just think that it allowed my true self to emerge. And my true self was more like actually a fun night out for me is me and Victoria talking about human design on a podcast, not going to a nightclub with New Orders Blue Monday as much as I love it, fucking banging into my ear with someone screaming, spitting over me, right? Like, so yeah. that's really interesting. And I think all of human beings are just looking to fit in somewhere. And yeah. so oftentimes, particularly projectors, but all types, really, you just take on the costume of the world that you're trying to fit into for whatever reason. Like, and you choose, you tend to choose what you think's cool or what's against what your parents wanted you to do and all those kinds of things. You just go in and you just play the role, you play the game. Mm. And you, like you doing the stupidest thing possible, you probably just wanted acceptance from the crew that were around you to, just yeah. to belong. And then when you're like, well, I, I don't want to do that anymore, that regression in regression or like returning to your normal state, it does often take cutting bonds, cutting ties, because otherwise you'd still be in that kind of network where you have to show up in one way because they're expecting it from you. Mm. I like the way you said cutting bonds and cutting ties. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting because I just did another podcast earlier on with Amanda Frederick. Yeah, Amanda Frederick. And we were talking about self-love. And I was saying like my, my thought process at the moment, okay, let's just switch a minute and then we'll, we'll segue into this. So human design is a lot about energy. Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. So not the final piece in like Lee's puzzle of development, like I got a million things to learn. But one thing that feels like really uh, my next, my next thing mm -hmm. is figuring out where I stand with this whole energy thing. <laughs> so that there's a there's a part of me when people talk about human design people talk about law of attraction people talk about the universe and god and uh karma and there's a big part of me it's like what a fucking pile of pants right like there's a big part of it and at the same time i feel that that part of me is 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 blocking me it's like it's a block right mm -hmm. So short of doing an ayahuasca ceremony or taking mushrooms in order to have an, I quote unquote, experience I feel like I need to have, something happened to me in the last couple of days when I was reading through Alexi's notes on the Tao of Abundance mm. and this word attachment mm -hmm. and separatedness come out, leapt out at me, right? So here's where I am, and I'm just going to throw it out to you to, to tell me what the heck is going on with me and anybody else listening to New Crafts onto this. I feel that when I was born, <clears throat> I wasn't welcome in the world like most people as kids. And I created this, and that created a separate, separatedness. I separated myself from my parents, from my sisters, from my friends, from the world, because in my world, I was just a chink and I didn't know any other chinks. I just knew me a chink, right? So I completely separated myself. And I think that separatedness and this kind of like, I need to fucking look after myself and everybody else is an enemy has led to me making it really difficult for me to feel at one with nature, feel at one with the universe, feel at one with Victoria and my, you know, and like be like, no, and Victoria and Lee are not separate beings. We're like the same stuff, like, and all this kind of like manifestation stuff and, you know, 
And then the word attachment, mm. like it's, it's been hitting me. It's like, okay, okay, I'm attached to everything. Like I'm attached to this story around the universe or God. Uh, I'm attached to not wanting to believe in God. Uh, I'm attached to how my relationship with Liza should be. I'm attached with how my friendship with Victoria should be. And now I'm kind of going into this, um, okay, I'm going to drop these attachments. What happens if I drop these attachments and I feel like I'm slipping into the universe lane? I feel like I am. <laughs> what's, going, what's going on for me, Victoria? This is awesome. I'm going to take you in a slightly weird direction, so bear with me. So what you're describing is, so there's a system called Jinkies that's kind of affiliated to human design, but Jinkies is where you'll find a lot of the information that I'm about to talk about. If people want to research a bit more for themselves. What you're talking about is the core wound that we incarnate with, and it is separation. It has different manifestations, but we are supposed to feel separate from God. If we were walking around thinking we were part of consciousness and feeling it and believing it so totally, we literally just would be consciousness. What would be the point of incarnating into human form? There literally would be no point in this matter universe that we all think is real. So you're supposed to lose faith. That's the whole point of being human. You're supposed to feel disconnected from source. And I personally believe, and it's a lot of spiritual teachings, that life is the pursuit of reconnection to source because we all ultimately, dualistically, want to die because we want to be reunited with our oneness and our connection to that peace that we were in before we incarnated. Mm. But we're human beings built with primitive damn brains who really want to fucking survive as human beings. So we're literally being split in this divergence. And that is the dichotomy of the human experiential way. Mm. So where you're at is absolutely where you're supposed to be. Everyone who's like at all in your world and in my world will be having this own debate with themselves. And the reason I got a lot of this stuff early and got into the energy early is because I nearly died. So for me, so much of my work was how do I trust in a consciousness that I don't comprehend, a universal oneness that I can understand and sometimes connect to, but most of my life is spent thinking I'm one being that is Victoria. How do I trust in the magnitude of my purpose and my destiny and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, trusting that I'm connected even though to every single second of my living human existence, I have to believe I'm separate because otherwise the whole illusion wouldn't work. Mm, like the, yeah, like, um, like the human condition, right? It's like right. David White, the, the poet, he talks about that first breath you take as a, as a child he said, Rumi said, you come into the world screaming while everyone else is laughing, or you come into the world crying when everyone's laughing and you leave laughing while everybody else is crying. Right. Um, and that first breath of, as a child is not a, a breath of celebration. It's a, the, the oxygen is toxic. It's like, holy shit. I am now like in that moment separated from the womb. And then it takes many years to be separated from mom. But you're right. Like I'm just thinking, like right from the beginning, first breath. It's is there something there about separating? Absolutely, and almost as soon as you start to incarnate into like consciousness is just energy in in ether form, and as soon as there is like a a, a little being being born inside of a, a, a female body, you've got this kind of, oh, there's a consciousness that's going to come in there. Mm. And it's a really interesting thought process of like these stages of the evolution of consciousness and. We as human beings are part of that evolution of consciousness because our life process evolves consciousness that little bit more. We're in a, such a rich time of consciousness evolution at the moment. Some people, like you say, are doing ayahuasca every like second weekend and microdosing mushrooms just to feel connected to source. It's like it's a time right now. There's a zeitgeist, and you know, I was born in the call, so I was born still with the amniotic sac. Like I didn't want to. <laughs> Did not want to come into my life, that's for sure. (laughs) And, you know, suddenly, and that's really very rare, but suddenly I'm kind of taking a first breath. And just like when I look at my life and the hard, I mean, people, I believe in soul contracts and what you sign up for as an energetic being and then you get into your life. And yeah, (laughs) my life's been pretty hard. Like, no wonder I didn't want to come in. But my life's also been flipping amazing to be my age with all of the wisdom that I have and to be able to feel so much trust in a universe that nearly took my life so many times. That's, 
that's the balance. You don't have to be completely believing in this universe lane. You can come onto the main, like normal, this sucks highway every, every so often and then just go back onto universe lane. That's what I do. Do you, do you know what's uh, been the biggest block for me actually is um, when I was young, when I was younger, I was raised to believe in God, but not in a mental way, right? Like my mom and dad, believed in God, but never spoke about him. And I went to a school where we, I can recite the Lord's prayer now. Um, and we, and we did all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like, like Zia, Zia now every Sunday goes to uh, a Korean all nations church. It's Christian church, right? Fuck. They slam it down. her. Like <laughs> she's in the car with us and she's saying, no, God will smite you down. Dad. Like Moses did this and, and like they really at such a young age, like really indoctrinate wow. you in like really take this like um, the scripture and everything and really put it into your life. And, it, and it's really it wasn't like that for me when I was younger. Right. And if, if anything, when I got to that moment in my life around 10 where I realized, holy shit, if if my protector pass, we'll talk about this in a minute, if my protector pass don't get their shit in order right now and help me out. Mm. Life is going to be hell, right? Mm -hmm. Like I am, this is going to be horrid. I'm going to hate my life, right? If that doesn't happen right now, I'm in trouble. Right in that moment, I fractured and it was like, okay, if I believe in God right now, right now, I believe in God. Those kids are going to kick the shit out of me because believing in God is wimpy, puffy. It's, uh, it's weird. Um, stupid people do it. Nerds do it. It's just nonsense. You cannot believe in God, right? So then if you believe like, oh my God, I cannot believe in God because if I do, those people won't love me and I can't build my self-esteem. So I need that other esteem. Mm-hmm. Then when someone talks about the universe or energy or other past lives and all that kind of stuff, for mm-hmm. me, I've already, when I was young, compartmentalized it with God. Like I cannot, it's like, I cannot go there because if I go there all of a sudden, Victoria is not going to think I'm cool because I'm talking about this shit mm-hmm. where the attachment thing comes into and it's like, okay, you don't have to think like that anymore. Mm-hmm. What if you, what if you just got curious? Mm-hmm. And ask questions instead of bulldozing your opinion. Well, and also those bullies are not around right now. Like, and I've just spent three, four minutes talking about universe and energy. Like I'm really safe to think, oh, what happens if you just trust? And I think for you, it's that those protector parts saved your life and actually really meant that you didn't get the shit kicked out of you, but you're not 10 years old anymore. You are adultly with resources and strength and an innate sense of self, as well as an innate sense of where you can draw on support from. And that means that you don't need to hold on to your, oh, I'm not allowed to believe in something that's slightly weird and spiritual. You get to go, well, hang on, let me try that hat on because I'm actually safe. And I think so much of our work as adults is that continually reminding ourselves that actually we're safe. And we're not safe because the world is like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. We're safe because we're adults and we've developed awareness, self-awareness. And I do believe that uh, there's a huge element of the way, the reason I coach is because I like to help people transform their strategies for survival into self-awareness and resilience. Because I think if you've got that self-awareness, you don't need a strategy. You take yourself into a situation and you become aware of how you're being and you have the resilience to deal with it. Yeah. That sounds like trust. Like I I trust myself in the situation that I don't need a strategy. Right. It's like it's like when you're coaching and you and you learn something new and you have all your notes next to you and you're fucking bumbling because you're looking at your notes and then you're just like ah oh, for fuck's sake Lee stop looking at your notes and just go by your intuition right and the human- best coaching happens at that point yeah like, it does yeah. the best coaching was some weird mashup between like somatics and parts work and emotional release technique and some ancestral fractal wound healing and I was like what am I doing and you just and that's the point where you just are like, I'm just like, I'm a channel. I am literally a channel for the universe to do its work, to help this person in front of me. Who's the only person that matters right now. I was uh, coaching someone yesterday, you know, and I was like, uh, maybe, maybe that's part of your um, unhealthy feminine energy. And the guy said, well, I don't follow you. Give me an example. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. So what did I, what do I remember about this instead I, of going, well, actually, I, mean, I think this is so important, right? 
It's like in life, not just in coaching, in life, right? Because I, I actually, me and Liza are very different. Like, so I, I, I actually, <laughs> I actually watch, I actually listen to her functional medicine practitioner videos and, and coaching and stuff and, and see her homework. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I would want to put my head through a fucking brick wall. How the fuck can you remember all that stuff, right? right. And of course, it creates so much stress and so much tension because you feel like you have to remember it, right? But it, I don't think so. I think in that moment, what I should have done in that moment, right, or I could have done is gone, actually, hold on a minute. Let me just pull up this resource so I can look at those unhealthy feminine attributes. Not, not, not in that moment try to be that coach who yeah. has fully integrated that and instead be like, actually, I haven't fully integrated that, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. That doesn't mean that I can't coach you, even though I haven't fully integrated it. But, but first of all, I need to get this fucking sheet of paper and have a look at it. Right. Right. The instinct was there that, Oh, this is something to do with unhealthy feminism. Yes. So somewhere in your energetic body, you've retained something. And then you just look at the bit of paper and I, I think I'm so lucky within my world of coaching and functional medicine and stuff like that. Like you can't like tell Liza, she can't ever remember all of that. You need the phrase, like just need to check my notes. Cause I can't I remember all the lab values. I know where to go to or like, right. what, like, um, okay. I'm going to get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah. We can discuss that next week. <laughs> yeah, or, or actually I, I know, I know where to get that from. Just give me a minute. Like, I think that shows more confidence than trying to think that we can remember everything because it's fucking human. Yeah. And, human. and it, it feels much more leveling because I think that the, the biggest danger in coaching is that you as a coach come off as like this kind of dictatorial, I know everything stuff. And I've been through this myself because it gives that vibe of like, oh, I'm never vulnerable. I'm never, I never crack. I never, I've had this conversation today with my coach. I was like, well, I can't do vulnerability cause, cause, cause. And he's like, well, maybe you can though, because you're not omnipotent. You're just another human who has a gift, I believe, as a coach who can really shepherd humans through challenge and stress. Yeah. And so gift for shepherding humans doesn't mean all of the knowledge in the, in the textbooks down inside your brain. So, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, having that self-awareness of, oh, fuck, yeah, I just, like, I, I, I've lost count of how many times I've, like, had a session and then come back afterwards and been like, okay, I just want to, you know, talk about this little bit or that little bit. And, and I think it's just, it is, it is a great leveler. It allows the person to, there are some people, look, I'm sure that are like, oh, I don't think this guy's kind of got it. So I need to go and hire someone else that's going to cost 25K more or whatever, right? I'm sure there are those people, but then there's a lot of other people who they're actually, they're actually are, it's about trust, right? It's like, I trust this human being because he gets me. And, and, you know, this is something that I just want to say to the audience, right? You know, I think what makes me a great coach is I are fucked up in so many areas of my life. Like my fucked up in this is like, like, think about it, right? So like my client earlier on today, she was like, um, look, I know you're not a relationship coach. And I was like, okay, might not. But uh, one woman divorced me after 20 years. I went through that painful divorce. Another woman nearly divorced me. I got two kids living on two different continents. I, I've been in relationships all my life. Right. So I know the pain and suffering of doing it wrong mm -hmm. and I'm learning how to do it right. Yep. What more do you want? Right. I have witnessed you in the last six months do more in terms of becoming aware of relationship coaching and dynamics than any other person. And I know that your awareness of relationships and how to be in relationship and how to more specifically how to own your shit in a relationship dynamic You've got that, that you, you can coach on that all day, every day. There's no, I'd have no hesitations in that. Yeah. You, you don't need a, um, uh, a relationship coaching PhD or something like that. Right. You know, it's like, so it's, um, yeah, it's really important. So with the, the, okay. So with the energy thing at the moment, I, I'm kind of like, I don't know what the fuck's happening to me, Victoria. Like I, I telling all weird and wackily. You welcome to the dark side. <laughs> my friends, like, well, well, if I ever ever went back to Ogmore Vale, I don't. You know, oh my goodness! Don't do that. Like, like <laughs> this. Who is this fucking Jesus Christ looking guy? Like, they, they, he's got long hair. He's fucking hippie. Doesn't know what he's. You know it. So I was going to ask you, like, you know, 
can do you free evolution if i'm a projector could you do you ever change or do you just become a better projector you just become a better projector yeah i'm never so, going to become a manifester or a reflector i'm just who I, what i am yeah and there is a I don't think that's a limiter. There's a lot of narrative. Oh, it's so limiting. You just get to do that. All of that tells you is how to make decisions. There's so much else in your chart. There's so much else that isn't in your chart. Like most of people's charts is not defined. You get to explore, experience, experiment. You, you become so wise in all of the areas where you don't have any definition, which means that this life is not about your definitions. All we do in human design is just, just slow down, Lee, and wait for the invitation. That's all you have to do. Mm. everything else becomes exploration. That's your growth curve. That's your learning and your evolution. You don't ever can develop the ability to just do stuff without like creating some havoc, yeah, yeah. but you do get, you do perfect your ability to not only hear the invitations, the subtle invitations, the invitations that are laden into non-invitations that becomes a superpower, but also your insights get more, the, the less you rattle around like a bull in a China shop, trying to be a manifester, the more attuned your insights and your intuitions get as a projector. Mm, yeah. I, I'm now owning that. I got a powerful sense, but I need to ask questions and not assert my opinions on people. And I'm I'm enjoying playing in that space, you know. This morning I was like, I was reading Seth Godin's The Practice while I was having a who. <gasps> mm-hmm. For all you people out there, I read books when I'm having a poo. And I was reading <laughs> Seth Godin's The Practice. And he was saying, when you when you when you're creating, you've got to ask yourself, what is this for? What 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 is this step for? Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I'm creating at the moment a 12-week program, which I'm calling Gemba Life, which mm-hmm. is um, allowing people not to focus on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like I have the Strive method for that, but to really just focus on receiving coaching in a group format because not everybody can afford my prices of personal coaching. A group coaching for 12 weeks where we go into very specific uh, modalities of development and growth and learning, right? So I was thinking this morning, like Seth saying, what is that step for? And if you look at like human design, let's just say there isn't, but let's just say there was one week in that 12 weeks of human design. What is that for? You know, what I, what I'm going to tell you what I think, and then you tell me what you would put it in there for, right? So for me, I think the key thing as someone who's trying to stop drinking alcohol or get their shit together or whatever is the human design is a framework that gets you thinking. It, 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 even if it says, this is who you are. This is how you should be. This is how we think you behave. It allows you to say, really? How true is that? How true isn't it? Why is it true? Why don't I think it's true? And now all of a sudden, you've actually left the matrix, mm. right? So so for me, when I was in the matrix and I'm drinking, it's like, I'm not asking those questions. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if, if, if I'm learning about attachment styles or I'm learning about psychosocial integration or I, I'm learning about inner child work or parts work, mm-hmm. it's, it's generating thought and questions around the framework, right? So it's like, why is it there? It's generating thought, you know? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? I think that's absolutely true. And I think there's a second part of human design as well. And it comes down to forget about if you don't know your date of birth or type or anything like that. Every single type in human design has a way of making decisions. None of those types go sit down and think about it for a while, get anxious about it, work it out with your mind. Every single one of those strategies is from the body. How does the body feel? How does the body interact with the world? So that's the other element of what it's for. It's rooting people back into the kind of you know, the brain does not make decisions. Like you, you can't make decisions just with a mental thought process. Decisions are energetic. There is a whole vehicle here that is not just this little noggin sitting on the top. And this is just like the information superhighway coordinator, but you need to be tuned into your entire body to be able to coordinate that information. And even if you don't take any other information from human design, you just get, oh, there's more here than what I can see and think about. So maybe my decision needs to come from my vehicle, not just from my thinking. And that starts off a whole different cascade of potential. Can I let you into a little secret, hmm. which is not going to be a secret in a minute. <laughs> um, okay. This is just, this is just fucking mind blowing. All right. I'm so excited about this. Actually. I stopped drinking when I was 35. I'm 46 or 47 now. So we're talking over a decade. 
in that time, I likely have helped hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, stop drinking alcohol Mm -hmm. entirely through talking about changing the way you think. Mm. 62% of people who have taken the Stripe method are still not drinking after a year. And all I've done is Mm -hmm. teach them how to think differently. Mm -hmm. Now I know Mm -hmm. how to teach people to feel Mm. and the importance of emotion. Can you imagine how much more power that is in terms of my ability to help people? If 62% of them have stopped, are not drinking after a year because we changed their thinking, what could we do if we look at life as a vehicle and not just a head and just stick? And let's talk about it. Like the, the intellectualization and thinking our way out of things is drummed into us as children in school, right? So... Wow, I'm really, I'm really excited about what's to come in the future. I really am. I think that's awesome. And I, I, I'm mentoring my business partner at the moment. And we had this conversation today where they were saying, oh, well, I've done loads of practical things, but I'm not getting deeper. And I said to them, like, yeah, people have built six-figure businesses on just giving people practical mindset shifts, et cetera. And it works for some people. Yeah. It might not be the full healing that you and I would desire. Actually, it changes behavior. And as soon as behaviors change, you've got a whole set of possibilities that is different. But the power of knowing that really what we want as human beings is permission to feel, be raw, be messy, be crazy, be vulnerable without feeling like we need to suppress that or, you know, keep all of that inside us, which then leads to the tension, which maybe leads to drinking or other addictions, et cetera. You've just given people permission to feel everything that they are. And that's enormous. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, my alarm going off in the middle. I'm such a terrible host. I turned that phone off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, totally. I mean, what I'm thinking on that is those 62% of people who stop drinking after, a, still not drinking after a year, it doesn't mean they're happy. Yeah. But it does mean they're not drinking. So it they are healthier and yeah. they are in a position now where you can go back to them with another offering and say, okay, now we get you happy. Yeah. But you free, now we get you happy. Yeah. So if anyone's listening to this, I am not in the world of helping you quit alcohol anymore. And I never have been really. It's just, I, you have to live it and experience it in order for you to be able to start teaching it. And, you know, I'm in the business of helping people live extraordinary lives. And if alcohol is stopping them doing that, then we can deal with that luckily because I was addicted to alcohol and I can help you with it, but it's not, it's not my thing. Yeah. And for anyone listening, like I know Lee now and we've got to know each other really well over the last six months. And I've always said to him, you're not an alcohol coach only. You have so much skills, so many talents. And yes, you can help people quit alcohol if that's part of their complexity. But you know, and I know that that's the surface part and it might be a huge thing, but there's so much underneath that and it's so juicy and you, you can really help people with all of that. But also people who've never had a drinking problem. You've yeah. got so many of the skills that can support. Yeah, yeah, it is because like, it's not the alcohol. It's like everything that is, typically you find like someone has an alcohol problem because they've got so much shame that they're not dealing with. They have tra- trauma they're not dealing with, inner child stuff that they're not dealing with. And everybody has that, whether they're using alcohol, everybody's addicted to something. So what is that thing? And what is driving that thing? It's like finding the root cause and working on that. It's like super important, not intellectually, but like feeling it. Yeah. Like, like right at the beginning, what was we saying right in the beginning? It's like, I lost my voice because I was just screaming and shouting. Yeah. It's because the client I was dealing with was like, mm-hmm. I can't get angry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. allowed to get angry. How can I get angry at somebody that I love? Mm-hmm. You know, well, we can. That's why God gave us, that's why God gave us anger. Or and also the word sorry, you know, after you've got anger, you are angry and you get it all out, you can then apologize. Like yeah. people feel like there's no bandwidth. They're like, you have to be perfect. And yeah, there's so much rich material in all of this that if alcohol is part of a problem, great. It gets resolved by resolving the deeper issues. If any other addiction is all of that, it just, you work on the root cause, as you say. Yeah, definitely. So Victoria, what are you up to today? So if people are listening to this and they want to get to know more about your work, human design, functional medicine, gene keys, uh, your master coach, like you do everything. Um, (laughs) What have you got on the go for people? 
So I do, but I'm streamlining. So I have put functional medicine a bit to the back. So it will always be in my world. So mm. if I need it and need to leverage it, I can. But I truly believe that the inner world transforms the outer reality as well. So the coaching work that I do has healed people from crazy illnesses as well as help leveling executives and all that kind of stuff. So mostly what I do at the moment is offer one-to-one intensive coaching packages mm. or deep dive half day and full day, like really get in there. Particularly yeah, I see. That. that was really that was really interesting I like that I love doing those because mm-hmm. I just get to immerse myself in somebody's world and that's particularly good for like time poor executives who think not a lot can be achieved in three hours and then suddenly mm-hmm. three hours later they're like oh my goodness my bl- brain is blown and those are great I love doing those I'm also building some courses but there's going to be a bit of a kind of lag on those because they're they take a while to do so but some evergreen stuff some live stuff but mostly my focus at the moment is building really deep, intensive coaching relationships with people because I feel that's where my healing medicine can really come out for people. Yeah. And I'm well, in the process of getting to LA. So hopefully do some of that in person with real human beings very soon. You know, I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done it. Like I've just been, I've been an online coach. So it's going to be really interesting to do it like physically. Victoria, you're amazing. I've had coaching from Victoria and not only is she very knowledgeable, but she she just has this beautiful aura around her talking about auras. It makes you feel really safe and you feel like you can just open up and talk about anything. You're in safe hands and she's a pearl of wisdom, beautiful energy. So seek her out folks, Victoria. What's your website? VictoriaFentonCoaching.com. VictoriaFentonCoaching.com. Check it out. I was looking at it today. It's pretty cool. And uh, thank you. Keep doing your amazing work, Victoria. Thank you so much, Lee. You too. Yo, 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 folks, I hope you enjoyed that. What an incredible person and a whole wealth of experience Victoria has, huh? If you would like to work one-on-one with this amazing woman, then email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com, okay? And if you want to work with this amazing guy, email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com or set up a call. Uh, For those of you who, for whatever reason, don't want to be in a personal coaching practice and feel you need a little bit more than a do-it-yourself course, then I am creating something just for you. It is called Gemba Life Group Coaching. Uh, It's going to run for 12 weeks and we're going to cover 12 specific topics in a live Zoom uh, training session each week, which is going to last 60 to 90 minutes. And then on that same week, two hours of personal coaching with myself in a group coaching format, okay? You'll also get three Q&As with me um, in the three months. We'll have our own little private group where we'll be able to interact and do the work in between sessions. It's absolutely banging. It's an amazing opportunity, and it's only $500, which is £360, or Australian $640, I think, uh, for three months it is incredible. It will change your life. So if you're in ready to invest in yourself and get underneath the real reasons why you're drinking alcohol or the real reasons why you're just not showing up in your full power, then email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. Much love, everybody.